Hello, 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 everybody. This is the Five Star Podcast, a podcast from two guys that are always talking about country bears and times watching movies. I am your host, Ryan Hurley, and I'm here with my esteemed co-host. Sam Wolfcool is here, and uh, I'm looking forward to our halfway through this pod uh, honoring Eminem for uh, best uh, original song a few years later. You know how it is. That's how the Oscars do it. This podcast is actually going to have a break where Eminem just comes out. We're going to play an audio montage, and then he's going to do a live performance for us. Yeah, so we're going to... We're going to talk about everyone's favorite part of movies when they sing. Something to look when music for. Plays. So, something to look forward to on this podcast. <laughs> well, we're here with you today uh, with our Country Bears podcast. Just kidding. Um, it's our 2003 Oscars uh, list. Uh, a long set of movies. Uh, at least, at least three of them were very long. But uh, we did it. We got through it. And we're here to discuss it uh, for the year, the 2003 awards, year 2002 in movies. But first, uh, what have you been watching lately, Wolf? I've been watching a lot of stuff for the pod and like for upcoming episodes of the pod. So I'm going to try to, I'm going to just gloss over all that. So probably the best thing I've watched lately on top of that was this movie called uh, Don't Breathe. It's a horror movie. Where like these three kids go to break into they like they basically just like steal stuff, and uh, but they're like very particular about not stealing like over ten thousand dollars. Then larceny. I was like, thanks, stealing enough. And they go in and they try to rob this uh, blind uh, veteran, and like things go awry like very very fast. It's a really good movie. It's a little bit of a one note movie. Like it's literally just here's your horror. Let's see if the kids can make it out. Like it, it wasn't like doing anything special, but uh, I liked it a lot. I also watched uh, Unbreakable last night. Have you seen that? I have seen. I've seen about half of it in my channel surfing days. <laughs> it's not bad. It. it uh, I think it meanders a little bit, but uh, the story of it is like fascinating. I know that's sort of like uh, underrated M Night Shyamalan one, where like people on the internet now have kind of come back and been like. You know, we didn't give Unbreakable enough enough love here when it came out. And then, of course, we got, uh, uh, well, I guess I shouldn't spoil anything. If you haven't seen some of his later movies, but we got the sequel, Glass. <laughs> I think it's like one of those things, at least from like some of the reviews I was reading, and just like my own thoughts on it, where people saw Unbreakable and were probably like, this is all right. This is kind of cool. And then we just saw like 35 straight superhero movies. And then people were like, let's go back to Unbreakable. Look at that. It's like a real story. And it's like, that was his whole point. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's true. That's a good point. Like, it's something that's aged aged well because you've just seen the same type of superhero movie just over and over again uh, in the past 20 exactly. years. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Definitely understand that. Um, so I, yeah, like you, I've been kind of just trying to go through and kind of grind through our, our movies for this and then have to watch quite a few movies for the next one too. So we've just been trying to get through those, but uh, in the middle of that, since I was in the mood to uh, well, be watching long movies, I also watched uh, Stanley Kubrick's film from 1975, Barry Lyndon um, starring Ryan O'Neill. It, it is, it's a long movie. It, 
I think, let's see here. Yeah, 185 minutes, according to Letterboxd. Um, about, yeah, yeah. And um, it's about this, I guess, like hard scrabble guy from Ireland who kind of lives this weird life and he eventually becomes a uh, like aristocrat in Britain. It's a, it's a slow movie but, and a long movie, but it's a good movie and I definitely recommend it. If anybody can find it, I know like my roommate just ordered like the DVD from Netflix, like not even streaming it. Like he ordered the DVD. So I don't know if it's streaming anywhere, but (laughs) you know, that's always uh, a last resort for you. (laughs) if You need to. One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, Barry Lyndon, Dog Day Afternoon, Jaws, Nashville. That's no joke in the 1976 Oscars. That's that's, I mean, you think about the, you think about the groups of movies that we've talked about too for these Oscars, that for these last few Oscars, and just thinking about like that set versus what we've been talking about, it's, mm-hmm. it's crazy to think about. Like those are just five classics. <laughs> that like somehow, in my opinion, eh, maybe gets beat out by the year after Rocky, All the President's Men, Bound for Glory, Network, Taxi Driver. So great. Like, so great. I, I, I really do miss the days where we were just like giving love to the actual like just the five best movies that we saw that year, you know, mm-hmm. like, you know, like now there's so much uh, there's so much tied up into like what is an Oscars movie? What does an Oscars movie look like? Like what can get nominated that I'm glad like <laughs> I'm glad at least it, for one decade in the 70s, we had it right. <laughs> What movie was Harvey Weinstein working on that year? That one's the one that gets nominated. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll bring that up. I guess that's a good good transition here. Uh, or, oh, no, wait, no. Let's do your quick question real quick oh, before we get into you know, the Oscar movies. Just, uh, I thought this was a nice, like, opposite of what we've been talking about. So what's a movie that you've seen in your life that was so bad it made you think that maybe movies were bad? Oh, man. Uh, I think... Uh, I think you were with me when I saw this movie uh, and I was really, really fuming over it uh, was uh, Transformers 4 Age of Extinction. Uh, never has there ever been a more blatant cash grab of a movie. There's just no reason to have four Transformers movies. Uh, Michael Bay, uh, you know, he's uh, over the top, but honestly, he just feels kind of bored in this movie. He's just doing like random stuff and like, uh, he's doing lazy things. Like the first shot of the movie is the exact same as the shot in the third movie. There's there's shots where people are looking at computer screens and they and they're green because you're supposed to composite in something like meaningful into it. But they were just so lazy they just left it green. Um, you have like obvious product placement of like Mark Wahlberg. The movie literally stopping Mark Wahlberg hitting a Bud Light truck taking the truck, taking a Bud Light bottle out of the truck, popping it open on on the door of the truck, chugging it, throwing it to the ground, and then just running away. And none of it, I I, I could go on for hours about this movie, but I hate that movie. So that was would be my choice. You got to be able to afford the budget with some marketing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I guess whatever gets your movie made, right? <laughs> I think for me, there's like, I've seen a lot of like, my girlfriend and I like explore a lot of really bad horror movies. And there's this one in particular called the row. That's about this, like just basically there's some killer on the sorority row. 
and the best part of the movie. I mean, it's awful. Uh, it's cheaply made. There's like montages in it. It's like people dancing and it looks like maybe like a student film or something. The best part of the whole entire movie is the dad of the main girl is played by Randy Kocher or Kator, whatever the heck his name is. The oh, UFC my guy. oh my God. And he plays like a cop. And there's this scene at the beginning where they're like trying to like stop a drug deal. Like they're like, these people are like making drugs and like him and like his three of his buddies like break in. And you have that classic scene where like the bad guy's holding a gun to the other guy's head and like Randy has to like shoot around him. No. The guy like pushes off. Randy shoots his own guy directly in the head. Oh. And he kills him immediately. Oh my <laughs> God. You're like five seconds into this movie and this scene is happening. You're like, what is this movie? Jesus Christ. Oh it, was, uh, it was jarring, but it was kind of hilarious just because the movie was so poorly made. But yeah, that movie for me, I think the rest of the day, I was like, maybe we're good on movies. Maybe this is it. I think the easiest thing to just make and make you feel like that in, in, in any form is is just a movie that's either that you either know is just transparently made just for money or that is just like really crappily made or God forbid, like an intersection of the two, you know? <laughs> yep. It was both. It was, uh, well, actually, I don't know what money that movie could have possibly made. It was, uh, that bad. I don't know who even watched it. It was on, the, <laughs> it was on Hulu. Hey, they got you. They got you to watch it. They did. It was, uh, it was really bad. <laughs> well, we won't linger in that too much. Uh, we'll, we'll move on to the Oscars where I, I, I think we had mostly a positive takeaway from this one. This was probably the most positive one, I think, for I don't think there was a single movie that one of us was just like totally like just against. Yeah, I think from top to bottom, like the most consistent year as uh, that we've talked about so far. Um, of course, the uh, the movies that were nominated were Chicago. Uh, which eventually won The Pianist, Gangs of New York, Lord of the Rings, The Two Towers, and The Hours. Uh, we will get into our list in a second. Um, this is sort of a weird year to look at, uh, you know, in a post uh, Me Too era because Harvey Weinstein was involved with either him or Miramax was involved with either three or four of these films I, I, uh, out of the five. Um, so it's I guess important, but also awful to mention that like this is probably around the time where Harvey Weinstein is at the height of his power, and so like it's just I I don't know about you, but like just seeing that Miramax logo pop up in almost in all of the movies just like gave me a big cringe, and I'm yep. <laughs> glad we're rid of him. <laughs> it's always just like disappointing. You're just like, oh man, like he really was a big deal. Yeah, exactly. Like. Especially something like, you know, not, Oscars movies don't always, people don't always, aren't always watching them for like 10 years afterwards or 15 years afterwards. But it, it's disappointing to like see his name, especially pop up on things that like are still beloved to this day, like, like Lord of the Rings. Uh, seeing his name pop up into those movies, you're just like, oh God. Like, even though we got him, got rid of him now, he's still occupied that space for such a long time it's still disappointing yeah um, i agree I'm, it's uh it's a shame but uh you know i'm glad we finally came around on him glad glad we got rid of him and yeah 100%. you know this is uh the probably the one bummer part of the podcast i just felt like we had to mention it 
And uh, the one we have a Holocaust movie. That's true. That's true. <laughs> but we'll 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 get to the at least at least we can <laughs> at least it's not a uh, I don't know what I'm trying to say. But we'll no, we'll move I, know, on I agree. To it's, uh, it's a real dark spot in Hollywood and in like the world. But I'm glad that we finally like he's gone, and all we have left of him is movies that you can just fast forward through the part that it says his production, and no longer his movie. Exactly, and uh, what can make you feel even better is that this was also the year uh, that is just the height of John C. Riley's powers because he's in three of these movies, which is amazing. <laughs> I, I, I can't even think of someone who's done something like that similar. I mean, remember a few years ago, Caleb Landry Jones found himself in a bunch of movies. He was in like Florida Project and uh, like Get Out. I don't know if that's the same year. Like uh, Three Billboards. I mean, it's not similar because John C. Reilly was a big part of all three of the movies. But uh, it's a uh, it's impressive. You don't I, see that. I feel like it's a good comparison, though, in the sense that like they're both. Uh, I mean, John C. Reilly is a little bit more of a leading man now, but they're yeah. both like sort of overqualified character actors, you know. Like whenever you see him in a movie, you're just like, oh yes, I'm so happy he's in this now. You know, uh, yep. John C. Riley had himself a, a goddamn year in 2002. Um, we'll be covering these from our least favorite to our most favorite um, uh, combined ratings here. So let's start with our number five here, Wolf. You want to tell the people what it is? So our our fifth place uh, finisher is the uh, is the hours. Based, I believe, off the book Mrs. Dalloway by Virginia Woolf, uh, that focuses on uh, it's three different timelines of three different women, and they are uh, yeah, it's I can't remember what they were doing in the movie, but yeah. uh, they're all they're they're all lesbian or bi curious it seems, yep. uh, <laughs> and they're all basically just like uh, like uh, uh, Meryl Streep's character is like interested in ed harris but also interested in uh alice and danny and there's like the whole part with like uh i can't remember the movie help me out here yeah it was like three weeks ago (laughs) it's uh uh, i guess i guess the first thing that we should say here is that like i it's it's hard to recap this movie because i I just feel like this is so typical oscars now you know it was kind of boring yeah yeah exactly like I came out of it and I was like, I don't have any like real animosity towards this. I was just like only mildly diverted and like everything was well done, but it just didn't interest me. I went back and forth for like the couple of weeks after I since I've watched to try to decide if it's like four star movie or three and a half star movie. But really at no point in this like back and forth in my head was I ever like, remember that plot point? It was just like, ah, I think, I think the Nicole Kidman part, it's kind of strange to me that she was the lead actress of the movie because she really wasn't in the movie that much. And I mm-hmm. found her part probably the least interesting. Yeah, I would agree. I would agree. I, uh, I really enjoyed Julianne more. I kind of liked her whole like stick she was doing where basically she was being like the perfect like housewife. And I was like, I, I remarked to her and I was like, wow, she, she's being a little rigid in this role. But I was like, no, that's probably what the role calls for. She has to be like the perfect like housewife. And I thought Meryl's part was very like, uh, like deeper and getting at Harris was like acting his ass off. And uh, I liked the, I guess, I don't know if it's a twist. It was, it was a twist at the yeah, end when you realize it. that like Julianne Moore was at Harris's mother. 
which is yeah. fascinating. I I definitely think that like the uh yeah I definitely agree with you that like the the Virginia Wolf part was like the least interesting part to me, especially because in the past couple of weeks I had, and this is a movie that came out later, but I just watched Shirley, that that new movie on Hulu um, about Shirley Jackson, and I just feel like you know that that movie is like doing a little bit more interesting of a version of of what uh they're doing in these virginia wolf scenes in this movie and then um i thought the meryl streep i thought the meryl streep's like plot was fine it just like i i I don't know i guess it just like most of it reeked of like privilege to me if that makes sense like there's the sad parts with ed harris about like him having aids and things like that but most of it is like Meryl Streep getting really emotional about like this party she's going to throw for him and, and sort of like the past and being nostalgic, even though like her and the people in that vignette are giving good performances. And then I, I, I agree. I did find like the Julianne Moore stuff. Interesting. I don't know. It was just, I felt like the jumping around was a little needless, um, but all the performances were good and there's nothing that like, there's nothing that like offends me and it. it's just not, it just didn't like suck me in, you know. I think uh, I, I fell asleep at the end of the movie, which is I watched it late at night, so I was just like out. I, it's amazing how long I stayed awake in this movie. To be completely honest, I think it was three minutes left. I fell asleep, and then I woke up and it was the credits. Uh, but that's a uh, that's no fault of the movie. I fall asleep during a lot of movies, especially when I'm watching it past ten o'clock at night. And then the one offensive part to the movie for me was Julianne Moore's kid was a little annoying. Yeah, that's true. I did not like that child's performance at all. <laughs> no. uh, yeah, that's that's like that's basically all I got in the hours. It's uh, it's a movie that I uh, I've like never really heard of until it became time to watch this. And I'm not I'm not mad I watched it. I don't think it was a waste of my time. I think it was like a, it did a couple interesting things, and I think it's like a I don't know. It's a good thing to watch, but. Uh, I don't know. It's nothing special. I'll uh, just ask you something that I that I have down here in our document. Then, as our just last little comment before we get into some of the nominations, uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna dub this as the uh, uh, owner of the a beautiful mind syndrome for this year. Just a nothing offensive or displeasing movie. Just not a super interesting choice. Would you agree? I completely agree. I think there were other movies from this year that we'll get into later on that I think have a little more uh, meat on the bones and are a little more watchable than this one. Like, I don't know if I would just toss this on at night. Like, oh, let's watch The Hours. Mm-hmm. Uh, I agree. Totally. Just kind of like, uh, whatever. Like, let's nominate The Hours. Famous people are in it. A famous, based off a famous story. Perfect. Yeah, sure. It's, it fits the formula for the Academy. Um, and boy, did it fit the full reel for the Academy because it received nine nominations. Um, so clearly they felt a lot stronger about this movie than we did. Uh, but it only received one win, um, which was for Best Actress in a Leading Role, as you mentioned, for Nicole Kidman as Virginia Woolf. Um, I'll, just, I'll just read off the, the nominees here and you can tell me if you think that uh, you would have given it to Nicole Kidman this year. We have Salma Hayek for Frida playing the uh, famous artist for the Kalo. Uh, Diane Lane in Unfaithful, which I was not expecting to see. Uh, Julianne Moore in Far From Heaven. So like Julianne Moore getting nominated for a different movie. 
and then uh, Renee Zellweger for Chicago. Uh, what are you? What are your thoughts on that list? Would you still give it to Nicole Kidman? I got two words for you: makeup Oscar. She deserved <laughs> it for Moulin Rouge. Oh man, I'm gonna uh, I'm, I'm gonna let that be your take. I'm gonna let that <laughs> be your take. Based off this list, I mean, I thought Renee Zellweger was really really good in Chicago. And other than that, I've never seen these other movies. But I feel like the Selma Hayek performance as Frida still kind of like is talked about a little bit and stands the test of time a little. So maybe give it to Selma Hayek. Yeah, yeah, I think I would. You know what, Salma Hayek too, like that performance, I think it's a little more interesting. I haven't seen the movie, but from what I hear, it's a little bit more interesting of a movie. Um, and it's a biopic, so it sort of fits that uh, that sort of template that the, that the Academy Awards love so much. Um, I also think it's interesting, as I mentioned before, that we have Julianne Moore in here for a different movie. Um, with a Todd Haynes movie, um, and which I haven't seen that one as well. But I don't know. I feel like those are just two more interesting t- types of things that uh, at least the Academy gave them a nomination. But I feel like it would age better if either of those two would have won, as opposed to as opposed to Nicole. One final thought: uh, Julianne Moore did a little a little historic here. She got nominated uh, twice in the same year for uh, The Hours and whatever movie you just talked about. Far From Heaven. Yeah. So a little Scargill right there. They, they just love them some Julianne Moore that year. I love Julianne Moore. I, I, anytime she's in a movie, I'm immediately a little more interested. Yeah, same. She's always, she's always good in whatever role she does. Um, of course, you have, you have Renee Zellweger uh, getting nominated as well. Uh, you know, I don't think this is her strongest performance, Bridget Jones's Diary. True. Okay, what? but you know, it was <laughs> we got like, her uh, to. We'll talk about it on our next Oscars pod, but it was almost like a, like an award worth coming with her because she got nominated for Bridget Jones Diary, Bridget Jones Diary, and then Chicago, and then she finally wins in uh, '04, and it was just kind of like uh, she was just there in like really big movies, and I like. It's funny because in 2020, everyone's like, oh, Renee Zellweger, oh, Judy. And it's like, she used to be kind of a little bit of a superstar. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Really, like, really big few years for her. It's crazy. It's crazy to sort of see him because, yeah, like you said, <laughs> you just don't see her in anything now except for Judy. <laughs> mm. Oh, yeah. Move on. <laughs> Let's do it. As soon as we start mentioning Judy, that's when we know we should move on. <laughs> that's the cue. <laughs> So uh, uh, number four, uh, the next downer in our list here is The Pianist, uh, directed by Roman Polanski. Uh, this movie is about a, a, a pianist named Vladek Spielman. Yeah, yeah, Vladek <laughs> was the pianist. Uh, <laughs> um, and this is a Holocaust movie. Uh, so it is, it is real sad. Uh, um, but it's well made. Um, Adrian Brody is really good in the, in the leading role. I thought the direction was really good. Um, I was shocked at, I don't know if you had this experience or not, um, but I was shocked that the movie, I actually felt like it moved pretty well for a two and a half hour movie. Yeah. I didn't feel very bored in it at all. No. Um, and I, I, I like, I, I like seeing Adrian Brody sort of go from this like dapper, 
uh, pianist, you know, living in Warsaw towards, um, you know, sort of the end of the film uh, where you're seeing him and like, he's almost been like stripped of his humanity just by like the circumstances he's had to face. Um, And then you have that sort of encounter with the um, Nazi, Nazi, uh, soldier who's actually sympathetic to him, gives him food, helps him survive. Um, and then I always, I always, one thing that always stuck with me was the the ending where he's like trying to find him again. I actually would have liked a little more of that. I, I don't know. I almost would have liked like 10 minutes of that. I don't know how you felt, but um, yeah, I don't know. It's a well-made movie. This feels like another like pencil in Oscars movie. Uh, yeah. I thought it was a little rushed at the end, I would say. I think you're completely correct on that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because, like, isn't isn't that sort of an interesting idea? Even my my roommate mentioned it while we were watching it. Like, isn't that sort of interesting to think about somebody knowing somebody before the Holocaust or or meeting them during the Holocaust and then having to sort of find them afterwards? I don't know. That's that's an interesting topic, and they sort of touch on it a little bit. But... um, Never really. Not enough, though. They did, I don't yeah. think they really. It was. It was. It wasn't even. It didn't even feel like a complete thought. Like suddenly, there's kind of like. Suddenly, like it was. It maybe was four minutes of runtime, after the scene where like the guys like at the fence. He's like, "Do you know, like Adrian Brody? Like I helped him. I helped him." And then it's like four minutes later, they're like standing where they just were, and I'm like, "Whoa, this is like." Yeah. It's a long movie. I feel like they could have maybe like cut some of the fat in the middle and really started to dive into this. Yeah, or like, you know, even if like, I'm in it for two and a half hours. So, uh, you know, what is what is another like 10 minutes on that? Uh, yeah, you're, you're not wrong. Just, just to flesh that out. You know what I mean? Two hours and 40 minutes versus two and a half hours. I'm, 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 I've, I've been strapped in long enough anyway. You know, you may as well just finish yeah. your thought. <laughs> yeah, I think a totally, uh, it's a little oscar but I think it's a, okay. I think it's a movie that... It's kind of stood the test of time. I think it's like a, I think it's a pretty strong look back on what the Holocaust was like. I don't think it's taking too many liberties, or I don't think it's mm-hmm. like telling like an incorrect story. I thought it was really good. Like I really do. I really did like uh, Adrian Brody's performance, and uh, you know, you don't normally see like the new guy on campus win Best Actor in a Leading Role, youngest to ever win it. So. I think that's just a really impressive performance. And I'm a little saddened in the way his career's gone because he just mm-hmm. kind of made a lot of weird, bad movies. And now he basically shows up for whatever Wes Anderson's doing, which is not a bad thing. But uh, I, I, I think I'd like to see him, you know, do a little bit more with his career. I think he had the, I think he has the chops. He has the looks. It's just didn't work, totally work out. I think. Yeah. He's uh I don't know what like sort of sports player we could use to like, like compare him or something, but he's like, you just see flashes of like what he could be, you know, like this movie is a really good dramatic actor, uh, Wes Anderson's movies. And then also in uh, Wes Anderson's movies, he's really funny. And then also in uh, the movie, uh, which I guess we'll be talking about eventually um, if we keep doing this for forever, but uh, for the movie midnight in Paris, uh, He's also really great in that as Salvador Dali, and he's really hilarious and funny. So it's like, you know, you almost, he, he seems like this guy that can do drama and grounded comedy really well. And like, I feel like apart from the things that we've mentioned, 
you just don't see him ever do like quality versions of that. <laughs> it's kind of sad. Yeah, I feel like it's kind of. I feel like it's a little common sometimes where you win that Oscar and suddenly you're like, I did it. You know, I got mm-hmm. that peak. Now I'm going to go just make stuff that I want to make. And maybe you don't. Maybe he just doesn't care how it like ends up going for him. But uh, I think he's still looked at fondly, and I still think he's someone that when you see he's in a movie, you're like, okay, like we're onto something. I feel like he's kind of like Cuba Gooding Jr., where, you know, I don't think his movie, his name being attached to a movie means it's going to be good. But I think everybody, I think everybody wants to see him make a comeback, you know? Like, I mm-hmm. think everybody would be more than happy to see him, like, be in good, a lot of good movies again. Um, I think another important thing to mention here uh, is Roma Polanski. Uh, obviously... Uh, so, as we talked about here, the the Academy Awards, uh, the Academy Awards nominating for uh, Harvey Weinstein involved movies, and then uh, the fifth one here is Roman Polanski, who also uh, has some um, uh, baggage of that ilk as well, and is literally not allowed back in the U.S. because of that. Um, but he is, and so obviously, we don't like that. But um, he is a really great director. You know, he's, he's directed classics like Rosemary's Baby and Chinatown. I feel like this is the Academy giving him this nomination almost as, as like a legacy type of thing um, because I feel like this is like another, this is like his late career peak, I feel like. It, it's kind of weird to me because you don't need to give him the Oscar. Like, it's not like True. he was so much better than Rob Marshall or Scorsese. Like, it's not like he needed the Oscar. You can nominate him. You can, like, clap for his name. But, like, you really don't need to give the guy the Oscar. I, yeah. I really, like, sure, was he the best director of the year? I don't think it was that much of a shoo-in. So, you know, I, I think it's a – I think if you want to just have more ammo against the Academy, I think this is a really good uh, – some good ammo. D- definitely agree. I'll, you know what? Let's. I think this is a good time to mention – uh, you know, all the other nominees. So this, this movie got three wins, seven nominations. Uh, as we mentioned, Roma Polanski wins for Best Director. The other nominees, like you said, Scorsese, Gangs of New York, Rob Marshall, Chicago. Um, and then we have Stephen Daldry for The Hours, which, oof, I don't agree with that. Uh, and then Pedro Almodovar uh, for Talk to Her. Honestly, if you give... So you could give... Uh, the if you give the, the best directing win to Scorsese, Marshall, or Almodovar, I feel like that ages incredibly well. Uh, I, don't, I don't know if, if you agree or not, but... Um, <laughs> age is better than this. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, this, is, this age is like milk in the sun. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, like, you know, you have, you have uh, Scorsese doing Gangs of New York, where it's like, uh, it, Scorsese doing Gangs of New York, which is just like a massive love letter to New York. Um, and then, you know, Rob Marshall, I think doing the, the musical in a much more slick and digestible way than Baz Luhrmann to me uh, in Chicago. And then you have, <laughs> yeah, I, maybe you don't like that take, but that's, that's, uh, that's how I feel. Uh, and then you have Pedro Almodovar uh, making one of his, his best films, Talk, talk to Her. 
Um, and so, or one of his most beloved films. So like, it's just a little frustrating to see uh, Roma Polanski uh, get this win when you really don't need to see him win it, you know? Uh, fun fact. Uh, do you know who accepted the award on behalf of Roman Polanski? I do not. Who, who did? If I'm not mistaken, it is Harrison Ford. Oh, nice. Yeah. Always like some Harrison Ford, at least. Uh, yeah, I think, I think, I think you're right. Everything you said about best director. I, uh, I think, I think Chicago gets a lot of Oscars, but if I had to pick another name here, I've never seen talk to her full disclosure. So, uh, I think Chicago is maybe the best directed movie out of here, but, uh, Scorsese ends up getting it for the departed, which I think was kind of similar to Gage of New York, just in like, I don't know, length and like all the different things going on. And, uh, they just kind of felt like similar movies and you could like sense the style. And I think mm-hmm. Departed was the better win, even though The Departed is like such a non-Oscary movie. Oh, don't get me wrong. I love <laughs> that Scorsese one for The Departed. I love it. Uh, but yeah, I, I guess maybe just at the time it feels a little weird. But now, oh my God, I can't, I can't wait to talk about The Departed. Uh, I'll rewatch <laughs> it. I just watched that movie like three months ago. I'll watch it again. The movie was awesome. I, I could watch that movie every day of my life. That in the social network, I could just I could just be watching it for forever to the end of time. Give me that Mark Wahlberg Oscar. I'll give you my whole. Uh, he deserves the Oscar more than anyone. <laughs> he goes off in that movie. How, how's your father? Tired from fucking my mother. <laughs> <laughs> so good, so good. Well, I guess we've probably exhausted all of our. All of our thoughts on the pianist. Let's move on to number three here. Number three is the uh, best picture winner of 2003, uh, Chicago, a movie that I uh, basically I got about halfway through it and I was like, you know, this is this is pretty good. I think it's good, not great. And then I was like, I'm gonna read some reviews and get other people's opinions on it. And the reviews on Letterboxd like love it. And I was like, oh, okay. Let me like try to watch this movie. You know, maybe just with a little more like hope. And just a little more like interest. And I was like, you know what? Like this movie's like really onto something. Uh I thought the music was fantastic. I think uh I think the originality of the songs was great. Like the one about they both reach for the gun was such a you know, even though it was like a fun song and like a really good performance in that moment by Renee Zellweger pretending to be the puppet, it was such a nice commentary on like the news. Just like being like, oh, like they're puppets, I and mean, we just make them say and do whatever we want them to do. But I thought the movie was uh, was just like a lot of really good performances. I think all the actors and actresses had like really, really good chemistry. Like especially any scene where anyone was with Queen Latifah, I thought it was like really <laughs> solid. And uh, I think it was just like a nice story about like the fleetingness of fame. And uh, yeah. I, I, I have only positive thoughts on Chicago. I thought it was really fun. Yeah, I um I like this movie too. I definitely, as I, as I mentioned before, feel uh, I, I like it better than Moulin Rouge. Uh, I like you said. I, I like I like pretty much everything you said. You know the the music is fun. It has this sort of like fun like ragtime flair to to the instruments, uh, and there's a lot of like humor in the lyrics, which I like. All the performances and like the choreography and the in the dancing 
Um, and and all of the all of the actors and actresses in this movie do a really good job of selling the songs. You know, Renee Zellweger, uh, Catherine Zeta-Jones, Richard Gere, Queen Latifah. They're all doing great. Um, I think like mainly, uh, just like the only thing that like trips me up is oh, and then I also wanted to mention before I, before I say anything negative is that I I like how you can kind of see some of the choreography and and actually it's it's shot wide. And we're not cutting quite as much as like Moulin Rouge. So you can see how well they're actually dancing. And then they sort of like incorporate the choreography in fun ways to like um, supplement the storytelling. I just like this, this does do like the thing that bothers me with, with uh, musicals where it's like, oh, we're hitting a sort of somewhat generic beat. Uh, let's just throw like a song in there. But I, I don't know. I like the I like the songs, so it, it didn't like sync the movie for me. And also, I I love John C. Riley in this movie, and I love his performance particularly. Yeah, I liked his Mr. Cellophane song. I thought that was like a nice little. I don't know. I wasn't expecting him to get his own song or anything, and I uh, it was like a nice uh, diversion. Yeah, that's that's like one of my favorite parts in in the movie. I think because I feel like you don't normally see that character get that type of. A little like highlight there in a show and he like makes the most of it and it's a it's a clever song and it's a good song and it like adds so much to his character for the rest of the show um so i really like that aspect of it particularly for sure uh some more thoughts i had were the cell block tango was maybe the best five minutes in film history no it was <laughs> awesome i i really liked the I really, really like that part, and that that like that song I think has aged really well because I feel like that I've seen that in other mediums. Uh, <laughs> he had it coming. He had it coming. Is that what you're talking about? Yeah. That was awesome. <laughs> uh, see, the best part about this was I was watching it with subtitles because I was working, and it was cool. Like music would start playing, and then at the bottom would be like "Cell Block Tango" begins to play. Yeah, I I I, I watched it on on Amazon with with subtitles. And I don't know if this happened to you. The subtitles got like about four lines ahead of oh, wow. the actual dialogue, which was really, it was actually kind of funny. I don't know. It made me laugh. <laughs> it, uh, well, go ahead. I was just going to say, doesn't change my experience of the movie. Just like gave me a little chuckle. That's funny. Uh, Captain Jada Jones, apparently they wanted her to cut her hair for the role. But she was like, no, if I cut my hair, people won't know that I'm the one actually dancing. Uh, <laughs> which I thought that was like a nice, like, that was like a funny line. And then one of my favorite parts of the movie was it was like right when Renee Zellweger was becoming like, like the star of like the movie. Like her, her character was like all anyone cared about. And Captain Zeta Jones like walks in to like where Queen Latifah sitting. And before you even see Queen Latifah, Captain Zeta Jones goes, oh, you too? And Queen Latifah has like a wig on that looks just like Renee Zellweger's hair, and I thought yeah. that was just like the stupidest little scene, but I thought it was hilarious. Yeah, there's like a lot of fun fun humor in this movie, like just the way that they like play with the characters, like vanity. I really like that too. <laughs> Great, I thought just like a good movie. Like I think it's a movie I could yeah. just like turn on and be like Chicago Land, and I'm happy. And I I could like at any different point, I'm like, ooh, this song's coming. Ooh, this song's coming. Yeah, honestly, I don't think they did too bad of a job giving this best best picture. Um, if I'm being honest, you know, I agree. I don't. Th I think it's a. I think it's a good choice, especially if you're just like kind of punting on Lord of the Rings. Yeah, exactly. 
yeah, if you're just waiting for the conclusion, I don't, I don't feel, I don't feel bad giving this this movie the Oscar. I don't feel bad that they did. Um, yeah, as as we sort of mentioned, the Academy loved this movie. Uh, by my count, thirteen nominations, uh, six wins. Um, I think one category we wanted to highlight here was best actress in a supporting role. Uh, so we have Catherine Zeta Jones and Queen Latifah. Always, I always love when it's two people from the same movie. Um, and then you have Kathy Bates from About Schmidt, um, Julianne Moore for The Hours. There it was, uh, like you mentioned before, and then Meryl Streep for Adaptation. Um, I feel good pretty choice. good about Catherine. Yeah, I feel good about Catherine Zeta Jones for this one. A, uh, Sean Connery presented a very pregnant Catherine Zeta Jones with uh, the Oscar. <laughs> Which was cool because apparently they're both Scottish. I don't know. They're like they're like from the same country because Sean Connery just like didn't even say her full name. He was just like the Oscar goes to Catherine. You got that that uh, that reunion from the movie Entrapment as well. Just there, the the Academy was operating on multiple levels there. I love it. One uh, other note I just want about this movie: it won best costumes which i think in pretty much any other oscar year gauge of new york would win that oscar Mm -hmm. i agree uh, it got chicago against it which i think i think they made the right choice but uh it's a tough one (laughs) two two like powerhouses uh as far as like genres to go against in the best costuming category this year a musical and a period piece yep the uh you know the memes of the guy who's like sweating and he has two different (laughs) buttons to hit that's the Academy with those two movies. Yeah, and like a really unique period piece that we'll get to in probably a couple seconds here. But uh, yeah, Chicago, cool movie, fun movie. I think it's maybe the most rewatchable movie from this year, if only because it's shorter than Two Towers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would agree with that. And yeah, it's. I guess it, it's good to mention here too. Very, It, it felt very quick. Mm-hmm. compared to some of the, the other movies, just because, like, The Hours is pretty introspective and dark. Dense. Yeah, dense. Yes, that's a good word for it. And then the other ones are all two and a half hours or longer. Uh, so this one is just, like, a fun little romp, or at least that's how it felt to me. I'm with you. you well, tell move... us about number two? Yeah. Uh, so number two is Martin Scorsese's Love Letter to, to New York, Gangs of New York, based off of a book of the same title. Um, it's starring Leonardo DiCaprio and Daniel Day-Lewis and Cameron Diaz and a whole host of other people. Our third John C. Riley performance. Ooh. Ooh. Um, and of course, Liam Neeson uh, in the beginning as Priest Valen. Uh, how awesome is that opening scene? It, uh, it really like sets the tone where you think you're going to get this like like nonstop, just like powerhouse of a movie where just like people just really dialing it up every single scene. And you kind of get that, you kind of don't, but the opening scene I think is something you can just toss on and just watch the opening scene a few times. Yeah, seriously. Like the opening scene is something that I'll literally, uh, like if I'm bored scrolling through Netflix and I can't find something, I'll just pop on the opening scene for like 10 minutes. I'm like, ah, okay, here we go. I can find yep. something here. <laughs> Uh, it, I think it's really shocking when Liam Neeson dies too. Uh, I don't know if it was like something that was like talked about at the time 
or what, but like I know when I first watched that movie and, and he, he gets stabbed on the battlefield, I was like, oh, he's going to come back, right? And he just never does. And I was like, oh, my God. I feel like the, the movie is, is bookended by these really, really great, like, action pieces, you know, this opening sequence and then the whole sequence at the end where they're uh, sort of, like, fighting each other and the city's getting, like, fired on with artillery from, like, ships in the bay. Um, and, yeah, just, like, some of the stuff in the middle isn't as interesting. I think, though, every scene that has Daniel Day-Lewis in it is better for it. Like, I, he's, he's probably the best part other than those two scenes. Yeah, touching on a bunch of the things you just said, I think the closing scene, the way I took it, and maybe I, I got this wrong, was that, like, none of what we just watched really, like, mattered. Because eventually everything was just overtaken by, like, you know, the government basically just took it back over, like, technology like growing improvements like it just like was like yeah we no longer have well we still kind of do but we no longer have like stuff like that that really like that really matters and uh Daniel Day Lewis was amazing mm-hmm. I, I think uh, I think this was one of I think this was a great performance and I never I never I haven't really seen a lot of Daniel Day Lewis movies I, I just haven't I just really haven't I, I've seen like Lincoln that movie was boring as hell which that's on me for thinking I was going to be getting something else, but uh, yeah, he was, he was great. Every scene with him was amazing. I don't know. I don't know your thoughts on this, but did you like Leo? Were you like impressed with Leo or was it just kind of like, ah, it's Leo. So in, so he and Scorsese have worked together now five times, I think. And this is not my least favorite of their like collaborations, but the, this is my least favorite of Leo's performances in their collaborations, if that makes sense. Like, yeah, I don't know. He doesn't really, he just doesn't hold your attention the same way, especially because Daniel Day-Lewis is in a lot of the movie with him. And then also like, I think just a really terribly cast Cameron Diaz is in a lot of them. You know what I mean? I, I, just, I don't feel like she fits that role either. So then it's like Leo, who's still figuring it out. And then Cameron Diaz, who's just like, just straight up, this is not like the type of character I like seeing her as. It's just like those scenes get a little less fun for me to watch. You have, this is one of the questions you have, but I want to jump right to it because you're, you're, totally, you're totally on the button with Cameron Diaz. You have a lot of actresses at the right age to play that part and who would have done a much better job with it. And suddenly it's like, here's Cameron Diaz. And you're like, Whoa, I, I don't know about that one. I feel like if, if you just, if you just slip uh, Nicole Kidman into that role, mm. Holy shit. You know, like this is the, the ceiling on this movie immediately goes up. Cause I feel like she'd just bring a lot more to the character. I think you could do Kidman. I think you could do like, you could just like uh, get Cape Blanchett out of New Zealand to come over to do this part real quick. You could do uh, this might be, I don't know about this, but maybe Jennifer Connelly at that point in time in her career. Yeah, I would like that. And then as always, I'd like to see Gwyneth Paltrow in more movies. So I don't know. She might've been a little, eh, but uh, I think she would have been better than Cameron Diaz. I think if you remake this movie now too, I feel like this is a good, like Saoirse Ronan role. Feel like you plug Saoirse in. You know, what about like Florence? You could, I agree. I like that. What about like Florence Pui? Oh, Florence Pugh? 
Yeah, you could put Pew. Florence Pugh in there too. Uh, I just feel like I, I don't know. Like Cameron Diaz is is normally a really like she's normally good at like playing the like kind of like cool ditzy girl. That's not at all this character. Um, and I don't know. It just doesn't fit. It just doesn't fit for me. I mean, she's on the cover of the movie and she's in a lot of the movie, but like nothing she had, like when she was on the screen, I was just kind of like, all right, I guess I'll get some work done during this. Like, I don't really care what she's doing. Nothing she's doing. I don't, I think it's really moving the needle for this movie. So, uh, uh the two, two things I want to, um, want to, want to ask you about here, uh, with, and, and one of this ties into Cameron Diaz's casting. So, um, Scorsese had, had been trying to get this movie made since the 70s after he was like apparently house sitting and he read the book Gangs of New York um, and, and there were multiple attempts to get this made. One was in the 90s um, and he originally cast Sarah Michelle Gellar <laughs> in the role. How do you feel about that? <laughs> uh, sign me up. <laughs> Sadly, she oh, had to man. drop out. Yeah, yeah. She would have been Ghost really good. Like that's kind of her her shtick. Yeah, exactly. Like I just feel like that fits. Oh wow. Fits way better. Not mad. Yeah, that's exactly. Awesome. Like doesn't doesn't that just feel like it it works a little better in that role? And then, okay, I, I'm expecting you to have have the opposite reaction um, to this next one. So. Uh, the, as I mentioned, the film was originally conceived in 1978, and the, the plan from Scorsese was to cast Dan Aykroyd in the, in the Liam Neeson role as Amsterdam, or no, wait, Dan Aykroyd at, in the Leo role as Amsterdam Valen, and then John Belushi as Bill the Butcher Cutting. What the been, hell is that? Would, would this have been funny? I have no idea. I mean... <laughs> This just sounds like cocaine to me. This just sounds like pure cocaine thoughts. Uh, you know, I'm good with what we got if that was one of the other options. Here's, here's another one. Let me, and, so, and then the other one was Mel Gibson in the Leo role as Amsterdam and then Willem Dafoe as Bill the Butcher. I feel like that's a little more interesting, though I, I would still take Daniel Day-Lewis and, and Leo. Does that age gap work? I don't think so. I think I think it helps that Leo's a little younger in yeah, this movie. Totally agree. I I I think then we we can say that we wouldn't change it, um, and we'll move on to some of the nominations here. Ten nominations, zero wins. Uh, Typical so Scorsese. Pulled the American Hustle there. Uh, <laughs> pulled the Irishman, right? That's true. That's true. Boy, that's sad. We'll talk about the Irishman when we get to that. Um, so one thing I wanted to highlight here, best actor in a leading role, Adrian Brody wins for The Pianist. Um, you also have Daniel Day-Lewis nominated for this film. Nicolas Cage in Adaptation, um, playing two roles. Uh, Michael Caine in The Quiet American, which I don't Talks know anything. Up. Yeah, I was going to say, I don't know anything about this movie, but uh, Michael Caine's not an American or quiet. Uh, and then you have Jack Nicholson in About Schmidt. <laughs> um, I feel like DDL could have won for this movie. Or honestly, maybe we give it again to Nick Cage. I've never seen that adaptation. 
he's he's literally like so he's playing uh charlie kaufman and um so the writer of the movie but like he's playing him as twins so there's two charlie kaufman writes himself as twins and nick cage plays both of the charlie kaufman's it's it's really weird but he's good in the movie i don't know i feel like we could have given it to him but bill the butcher is iconic and i kind of feel like he should have have won i don't know about you Another famous acceptance, Halle Berry presented it to Adrian Brody, and Adrian Brody famously had no idea what to do, ran up the stage, and kissed her right on the mouth. Hey. Have you seen the you video? No, I haven't. Oh, look I it up. It, it is. It is. Uh, it's funny. And then the next year, I'll, I'll bring up what he does the next year when he gives the award to Charlize Theron on our next <laughs> Oscar. Also, another interesting person who could have played Cameron Diaz's role. Yeah, Charlize Theron would be great in the role. Just... Just uh, you know what? Honestly, if you if you flip, uh, what about what about this? What if we we flip people from my best friend's wedding and we throw Julia Roberts in there? Uh, I, <laughs> I think, don't think she's too powerful. I think you need someone who is obviously a little less than Leo, and Julia Roberts is more than Leo. I agree. I agree. I just thought it was a funny question. <laughs> funny. We'll move, let's move on to number one here. We're getting a little slap happy with this one. <laughs> I'm having so, fun with it. I, I'm having a good time. No, I'm having a good time. I swear. Um, so the uh, so the, for the second year in a row, we're going to be giving a Lord of the Rings movie the Best Picture uh, win. Uh, Lord of the Rings: The Two Towers. This is my favorite one, um, which I guess is a hot take allegedly. I don't know, but just uh, you know, you get all the characters you love from the first one. Um, you get some more characters. You get more Gollum in this one specifically and then uh you have that amazing battle of helms deep at the very end of the movie just so good uh what did you think about this movie this is your first time seeing it right yep i've been you're you're watching the lord of the rings for the first time with me uh i like this one i think there was less like me wondering who everybody was because we just like basically dove right into the second act of the of the movie more or less and uh I really liked it. Like, this is another movie that jumped around. I mean, it jumped around from a few main storylines. And I think uh, I think each of those different storylines proved its importance in the end. Like, even, like, the two little hobbits hanging out with the trees. The ants, yeah. Like, that was, like, a really big deal. In the I end. am no tree. That was really powerful. That was just a powerful part of the movie. And then uh, uh, I like hanging out with Frodo and Samwise some more. Uh, a little darker on their end than the first than the first movie, at least I felt. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I think this does like a really good job. So, like with the Fellowship of the Ring, I feel like if you haven't like I, I know like when I watched all these movies, I just had watched them all in a row. But I feel like you know in two thousand one when it came out, you could probably sit there and be like, "Why are Merry and Pippin in this thing?" Um, you know. I, I don't know. It feels like the fellowship is like too many people, but and then you get to this movie and it sort of like starts paying off because you get good mo- moments with all of them and adding, adding Gollum in with Sam and Frodo is he's, it's so interesting to watch the three of them interact and it only yeah. gets, it only, it only continues in the third movie. Um, but yeah, really good in this one as well. Um, Liv Tyler was on the movie poster, but she's not in this one a whole lot. Yeah. Yeah. 
it's it's funny thinking about like the big people uh that are in these like you said like Kate Blanchett I mean she's barely in this thing uh, she might only be so I, I I didn't have access to a uh uh the theatrical version for free so I watched the extended edition that like the little cutaway to Kate Blanchett that was in in the theatrical version right yeah very very briefly but yes okay because I can't remember whatever they cut out and, and whatnot. The the extended edition was it was four hours. Me and my roommate sitting there watching it, so that was a lot. What do they uh, what do they add if you can remember? Uh, it's just a lot of like character stuff and like you know you get like a little more stuff with the ants. You get a you just get a little more stuff with all the characters, um, and it kind of adds to the movies. It makes them, I don't know. It's honestly like. I don't, I don't have any preference either way, you know, watching the theatrical or the extended editions, but I know like, uh, like my roommates are both big fans and they like swear by the extended editions. So, but yeah, it, it was, it was long. It was, it was a lot of watching. <laughs> you know, you know, I, I think, uh, there's a reason the theatrical one came out in the theater. Yeah. I, I, you know, you know how I feel on this. Uh, I'm all about brevity. Yeah. <laughs> well, we'll 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 save most of our un un unfiltered uh, opinions for for the Return of the King. Um, we'll just sort of highlight here. This this one only got six nominations, two wins um, for best sound editing and visual effects. Do you feel like this uh, was shortchanged a little bit by the Academy? I think they're doing what we're doing. I think they're like, you know what, there's one more coming. Let's wait to really honor that one. And that's exactly what they did. I, I think uh, I think they were just like, screw it. There's one more coming. We had one last year. Let's just let's just really hit it on this last one, which uh, which I, I again, I've never seen. So I don't have any opinion on that. But uh, I, I can't blame them for it. You know, yeah, it, it's hard to it's hard to give it all up just to the second movie of a of a trilogy, you know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but uh, I think I don't know what else it would have gotten. Is there any, any any thoughts on something that was missing from nominations for it? I feel like you can always uh, give big props to the score. Um, yeah. Oh wow! Yeah, definitely. I don't know if it was. It might have been nominated for that. I'm just talking out of my ass here. But I don't know. I mean, I feel like I don't know. It's just a really good movie. Uh, and it's really well made. And like you said, it's just more of what you got in the first one and what people eventually get in the uh, in in the third one. But I don't know, just really good, just really good. <laughs> That's all I have to say about it, I guess. I agree. I um, agree. Should we move on to some of the notable movies here from two thousand two? Uh, you know, you say notable. But then we do this in a Google Doc, and you let me just throw my random crap in there. So uh, we'll go hey, with man. notable. If it's notable to you, man, it's notable. I wouldn't go that far, but I appreciate the uh, appreciate the comment. <laughs> um, do you have any any here that you sort of want to highlight before uh, uh, before I do? I think so. I'm I'm looking at the Academy's website here. Um, and it's telling me that that Spirited Away won Best Animated Feature uh, this year. Was that uh, the first? No, it was not the first year it came out. 
I know you're a big fan of Miyazaki, though. Does that does that make you feel good that it it got the uh, win? Totally deserved. No other way to put it. Um, that's a good. That's like a, that's a, that's a really really good movie, and uh, I'm happy that it got some uh, some love. And I think there's a lot of good Ghibli movies that do not get the same amount of praise. And, you know, that's okay. And it didn't really have any competition between you and me. I don't really like Ice Age. I think Lilo and Stitch is overrated. And I couldn't give you a single plot point from Treasure Planet because I always thought that was the same movie as Atlantis. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm with you here. Spirited Away, good job. Give it, give it to it. It's an all-timer. It's a great movie. Um, Ice Age looks disgusting now. By the way, <laughs> the animation looks so bad. I, you know, I, I understand they were doing the best they could at their time, but Jesus Christ! <laughs> I was talking to my roommate about this yesterday. The the like baby in Ice Age is like one of the weirdest looking things I've I've seen in an animated movie in a while. He does not look good in that movie. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> I'll just run through real quick here uh, some of the other things that came out. Uh, we had Country Bears uh, <laughs> uh, based off the Disney ride. Uh, we got Super Troopers, cult, cult comedy hit, uh, Catch Me If You Can, uh, Steven Spielberg and Leo, big year for Leo. Um, Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets, uh, not the Philosopher's Stone. Uh, <laughs> Star Wars Episode Two, uh, Attack of the Clones, uh, not a good movie. We'll <laughs> leave it at that. The the first Tobey Maguire Spider Man, which I love, I love that movie. Um, we have The Born Identity, about a boy with Hugh Grant and a very young Nicholas Holt. Punch Drunk Love, Paul Thomas Anderson's film. The uh, foreign hit City of God, Twenty Eight Days Later. Um, I have Minority Report on here as well from Steven Spielberg. M. Night Shyamalan signs. Uh, whew, I'm running out of breath. Spike Jones's adaptation. Panic Room from David Fincher. Classic Eminem and 8 Mile. Thank God he won for Lose Yourself as opposed to the crappy U2 song at the end of Gangs of New York. Uh, Talk to Her from Pedro Almodovar. Uh, My Big Fat Greek Wedding, which was a huge, huge indie hit, um, which is kind of crazy to think about now because nobody watches those, that movie. Uh, Tuck Everlasting. Wow, I can't believe you put that. Did you in see here. that? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh my god! Wow, kind of good. <laughs> that that shot me back to middle school. Oh my god. Uh, uh, Insomnia, the uh, collaboration between Chris Nolan, uh, Al Pacino, and Robin Williams. Uh, we have Road to Perdition, which was shot in the town where where we went to high school. Mm, great. Uh, <laughs> there's actually a uh, I don't know what it's called now but you know Leap and Lyrics in downtown yes. there's, there's like a picture of a still from the movie uh, and, and you can see Leap and Lyrics in the background that's really cool uh, and then we have Austin Powers Goldmember Triple uh, X starring Vin Diesel the most extreme hero in all of movies uh, 25th Hour from Spike Lee God damn it, give give Spike a nomination, guys. God, come on, give Spike some love. Uh, and then uh, I mentioned this last podcast, Confessions of a Dangerous Mind uh, came out this year as well. You had an idea of doing uh, some of our own little nominations for this. Uh, you want to 
You want to take the point on this one? So if we were to do it as they are currently doing the Oscars, where they nominate between five and ten, we were thinking maybe we can give our between five and ten. So I think for me personally, uh, I would nominate Lord of the Rings, The Two Towers, Games of New York, Chicago, and The Pianist from what was already nominated. Going to lose the hours on it. It's not needed. Then I would nominate Catch Me If You Can for sure. Uh... Punch Drunk Love. I think it deserves a nomination. I think Spider-Man would be a fun little nomination. And um, honestly, that's probably it for me from what I've seen on this list. Uh, if you want to get like a little, if you want to get a little more genre, you can go Born Identity. But that's probably really it for me. Yeah, I'm. So I'm going to keep the same four that you you kept because I think I think all those four are pretty worthy of it um yeah i'm definitely throwing in punch drunk love in there uh for sure i adaptation was already getting some love from from the academy on this one so i kind of feel like it would fit in there if uh if we got to do more um i will not be nominating eight mile uh <laughs> you know honestly let's give 20 let's give spikes in love we'll, we'll throw 25th hour in there too um, I think, I think as a makeup for, for a beautiful mind, we'll throw confessions of a dangerous mind in there too. Like Academy, just choose the more interesting thing of, of what you're looking at here. I don't know. Uh, I think I'm fine with those eight. I, I know you and I were talking about before. This feels like a little bit of a down year, 2002. Yeah. I think they really missed out though on not giving Hillary Duff a best, uh, actress nomination for uh the disney channel original movie cadet kelly (laughs) (laughs) you know we we were mentioning the the animated oscar where is the love for hey arnold the movie (laughs) that show was like real weird if you look back on it (laughs) you you mean it's it's weird to you that that we watched a, a show with a main character whose head was literally shaped like a football i do still watch family guy (laughs) <laughs> I, that's a good point that's a good point uh weird movie year i uh the only movie from this list there's two movies here from this list that i feel like i've like missed and that is 28 days later and adaptation mm-hmm. other than that I, I uh feel like actually the blade movies are on hbo max so i i, I actually 100 percent plan on <laughs> crushing that trilogy honestly yeah the uh, I've, I've only seen the first blade but I've heard good things about. I've heard at least that the Blade movies are fun, and yeah, if you if you like like foreign stuff, you know, like I said, talk to her, uh, City of God. Uh, Tried that. I watched like part of it one time. I don't know why I. I threw that on like the middle of the day with like my family like moving around, and I was like, "This movie's not going to work." Right now. <laughs> yeah, I kind of did something similar the first time I tried to watch it, where I was like, "Oh shit, uh, I am not zoned in properly on this thing, am I?" Uh, but it's it, it's worthwhile. Um, yeah, well, I don't a know. quick comment to make. Uh, I think it's kind of interesting, like watching as many movies as I've started watching, especially like kind of going chronologically in some senses, seeing like where different actors end up in their movies. You got Josh Lucas, who I think had a really cool part in the Best Picture winner, Beautiful Mind, last year. Now he's playing like 
the husband that Reese Witherspoon isn't divorced from yet, so she can't marry Patrick Dempsey in Sweet Home Alabama. <laughs> it's the just, fall uh, from grace for Josh Lucas. But like, you know, I bet that movie made a lot of money, and it got him like on the screen. And I think it's just interesting scene where like actors and actresses go, especially someone like him, who I feel like he's never been the star of anything. I th- I think like one thing that that hurts him like career wise. I mean. It, it doesn't hurt him as far as, like, just getting roles, but it hurts him as far as, like, being the leading man is that he's just so good at, like, just being punchable, you know? Like, he's just so easy to hate in a movie. <laughs> I could see that. Uh, uh, so should I, should I let the folks in on, on what we're drafting here for next week? Oh, please let the folks in. So uh, as we mentioned, we're, we're going 11 rounds, 22 films. Um, and maybe if you did some research, you found out all 10 of you, uh, but, uh, we will be doing a draft of Pixar movies. Um, I know we, do you want to, you, you want me to still take the first pick? You know what? I'll give you the first pick, uh, because, you know, I don't want cars too. That's the one movie from all these that I think is genuinely just thoughtless and terrible. Uh, uh so yeah, which uh, which five have you not seen? By the way, you mentioned that to me earlier. I haven't seen Wally. I haven't seen Monsters U. Um, I have not seen. I'm gonna look up my little list. I made. I've I've been making like a cursory ranking here. Um, I have not seen Cars Three. Mm, I kind of <laughs> I kind of like Cars Three. I know a lot of people have like very just like. Just a lot of hatred towards the Cars franchise. <laughs> yeah, there's so much ire towards the Cars franchise. I, I, they're perfectly disposable. Uh, we'll, we'll get all of our takes on these. Uh, it, I haven't seen Cars 3. I haven't seen The Good Dinosaur. Oh. Um, Cars 3, Good Dinosaur, Wally. Um, what am I missing here? Uh, Monsters U. I'm missing one. I'm missing one. Have you seen uh, Bugs Life? Have you seen Ratatouille? I've Finding seen Dory, Ratatouille, I've seen Bugs Life. I've seen Incredibles 2 and Finding Dory. Um, Christ, what am Brave? I Brave? Have you seen Brave? I've seen Brave. I've seen Brave. Um, oh, man. I'm, I'm looking up the list of 22 here as we speak. Uh, I'm up my list I have right now. I'm trying to see what movies are kind of like odd on here. Uh, Cars 2? Ha- <laughs> I've seen Cars 2. Sadly, have I've seen Cars 2. you seen all the Toy Stories? I've seen all the Toy Stories. I have not seen Coco. How could I forget Coco? Oh, amazing! Um, yeah, I, I'm. I'm feeling like, not to tip my hand too much here, but I'm feeling like Coco and Wally have the most upward mobility from from the ones I I have not seen, and then sort of like Cars Three, uh, Monsters U, and Good Dinosaur. I, I, from what I've heard, I, I shouldn't expect much. Um, yeah, we'll talk about that. Um, I, I got one quick trivia question for you. What, uh, so I went through today and I put a little list together just for myself of how many, like the different nominations for the Oscars that these Pixar movies received. Which Pixar movie has the most Oscar nominations at six? Is it Toy Story 3? It's Wally. Wally? Did it yeah. get its. Did it get a cinematography nomination? 
No. The one that it got that most don't. Well, I shouldn't say that. Is it got score, song, mixing, and editing. Well, interesting. And screenplay. And screenplay. A lot of these actually get best original screenplay, which I think is uh, really, really cool that a lot of these get that nomination. I'm I'm excited to watch Wally, man. I've heard really good things about that movie. Um, I kind I of been watch it. I'm I'm kind of pissed that I I haven't haven't seen it. I think I am going to try and also watch, um, uh, a Bug's Life again if I get the chance. It I, I you know what I just like basically like cleaned up my like Pixar knowledge of a couple a few months ago. And uh, I rewatched. I like watched all the ones I hadn't seen either in a while or like I never had never seen. And A Bug's Life is uh, it's actually a pretty good movie in my opinion. I I, I think it's uh, it's, it's an important movie because it's like really old, and I think it's like a lot of the reason why Pixar like got like kept going. Because I mean, Toy Story was great, but I feel like if A Bug's Life isn't at least good, you're uh, you don't really have what you get today. Yeah, like I feel like it's kind of retroactively hated on a little bit. I don't understand why, because that was probably, there was a lot of, of, there was a few Pixar movies out, like, when we were kids, um, and those are generally the ones that I had a lot of attachment to, but that was, like, in my top three that I sort of had on high rotation as a kid, so I don't understand that sort of hate. No, no, I don't either. I, I, I think, I think some of the newer ones, like, there's a, there's a newer Pixar movie that that's uh, like new, like as in like this last decade that is going to be picked up very very early for me. And other than that, uh, and there's a couple that are going to be picked early for me. And other than that, I think it's like Toy Stories are good, and I need to rewatch. I need to rewatch Finding Nemo. That's like the one I'm like because I like I have like little memory of that movie, and people are always are like, oh, the movie's amazing, the movie's great. And I'm like, honestly. Like, I know I've seen it. I can remember the plot, but, like, I don't have any, like, connection to Finding Nemo. I thought Finding Dory was cute. Yeah, I, I like... Finding Nemo was one of my favorites, too, when it came out. Um, I feel like it's a thing where you watch the movie as a kid and you love, like, Dory and Crush. Uh, and then, like, you grow up and you become more of an adult and you start understanding Marlon and uh, and Gil, uh, the... the uh, fish in in the fish tank that's all scarred up uh played by willem dafoe i feel like you start understanding them more and then it it gets that you get this deeper appreciation for the movie uh i like that movie a lot (laughs) yeah i'm excited to rewatch i want to rewatch that and uh i'm pretty maybe ratatouille have you ever had like actual ratatouille like the food me either it's really good no 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 no. it's really really good i had it at a macaroni macaroni grill in cleveland ohio super good Maybe we'll we'll do the next podcast while eating ratatouille, talking about ratatouille. I could always eat. <laughs> well, I'll I'll let you go. I'll let you get get back to eating, uh, eating some ratatouille. Maybe uh, we'll be back next week to talk about our Pixar draft. Thank you so much, everybody. Bye, everybody.